Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. What's going on, everyone? This is Tyler Dawn here with Jim Monas for another episode of the Go Long Podcast. This time in the flesh, Jim, man, at Hamburg Brewing Company. What's happening? Our I, energy's back. This I didn't is get it. your drink, by the way. I told you I was going to get a drink for you just now. Oh, and no, I there's plenty it. of time for okay. that. And there may have been drinks earlier, too. So it's OK. Always <laughs> hydrated. We're always hydrated. But now to be back in our home field, yes. Hamburg Brewing preseason is god awful. But we have to talk about it. Do we, though? Well, Let's just talk about what's going to happen in the yeah. NFL. Let's try not to talk about Trey Lance for MVP, Justin Fields as the runner-up for MVP. Trey Lance is going to win it, and then Jameis Winston's going to be the runner-up. Oh, you have been on it. I mean, you've been on yeah. Winston all year, so this could be – Now, how did you feel about your boy Goff? Did he get enough reps? <laughs> did, you, did, you... did you see that 18-play drive? But, hey, that, That's my boy, just melting that clock, baby. Coffee Campbell. Love a good 18 Coffee Campbell, play drive. Coffee Campbell has people already a little nervous with his, his handling of clock management. Yeah, biting some kneecaps But that's off. preseason football. Definitely. Well, everybody, get on into Hamburg. Drink your uh, little bit lager now. That's the go-to beer here. the only here. one you need right now. It's great. It's fantastic lager. goes down smooth. I'm drinking it right now. and uh, Gets you ready for yeah. the Bills. Gets you ready for that preseason Bills football. Big, big game. Big, big win, right? Oh. Out in Ford Field. They'll be talking about that one for they, ages. They needed that. They should have carried I, McDermott off the field. Like, you did like Jim Schwartz. Jim Schwartz <laughs> one of my least favorite memories that you'll ever see. You want to talk about making something about yourself when the, the players are the ones that go out there and just get the job done. And Schwartz was still wanting some credit yeah. for beating his old. That, that's Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. Enough All right. about us, though. We got a good guest. A fantastic guest. I like it. Nick Underhill of New Orleans Dot Football is joining us right out of the shoot. We've been looking at all the divisions, obviously, here on the podcast. Um, so NFC South today. Nick does such a fantastic job covering the Saints. That's my hey, my blood. That's where I really learned how to. Scout. I know. I just want to like sit here and really not say a word all podcast. I figured you guys could just share some Saints stories, but he's not here at Hamburg. We're on Zoom with Nick, but Nick. Uh, how in the hell are you? How's life down in New Orleans? And do, do you live near Bourbon Street? If so, how are you alive right now? No, so I'm on the other side. I'm, I'm on Magazine Street, which is like civilized, like yeah. bourbon for people that live here. Like you got your your bars and restaurants, but you aren't going to go out and die. So that that's a good place to be. But <laughs> man, I'm just happy. Like you guys are bagging on preseason. Well, I'm just actually happy to have like games to go to where there's people watching them. And it's not like watching them in a silent sound studio. So that has been very nice so far. It's true. I like it. Calling us out. I, I like know. it. I feel bad it. now. I feel bad because I know there are some things that do get done in the preseason, but I'm just telling you, it, don't don't rush to judgment. That's all. Just okay. let it let it play out. <laughs> let it play out. But tell us a little about yourself uh, first, Nick. I mean, for those who don't know, you've co- you covered the Saints for a long time, and then you covered the Patriots for a season or two at the Athletic, and then you went back to New Orleans and. Hey, created your own platform, your own site. I mean, you did it before I did. I remember just 
trying to research as much as I could and just thought it was phenomenal what, what you've done and you've really built up uh, an empire down there covering Saints. So, yeah, I started out covering the Patriots 2010 to 2014, mm-hmm. came down here, covered the Saints. And then in 19, I got the opportunity to go up there, cover the Patriots again for for the athletic. And look, I mean, you know how it is in this business. You, you kind of feel like you got to climb the ladder and like covering the Patriots for the athletic felt like you do that. And then you get a national job. And I interviewed for a couple of national jobs when I was up there. And like, I'm going on these interviews and I'm like, like, I, I don't want to do this. Like, it, this isn't what I want to do. I, I like to focus on one team. And just you start to see the business and people are getting laid off everywhere and you kind of start to see how things work. And, you know, I kind of had this realization that like, we're all kind of our own entities in a sense, and, and you're doing your marketing online and, and your Twitter. And, and, you know, if you got a fan base and people care about what you got to say, like, I, I think the business has come to a point where like everybody, like, look, I think the whole world sort of like, if you're a musician and you got good music, you're going to put it out there. People are going to find it. And I don't think we're all that different. And I just, I just felt like, I needed to do something else. So I, I quit that job. I came down here. Um, you know, I, I don't come from money or anything. It was just kind of a belief in saints fans and the relationships we had and being away from them. Like the city was just kind of calling me like this, this is my home now. Like I'm from Pennsylvania, but there's something about new Orleans. That's just like different than anywhere else in the world. And like, I just felt like I needed to be here. I left, I wanted to come back. And thankfully, they they were happy to have me back, and they weren't too mad at me for uh, taking my my year long vacation. But you know, I couldn't be happier. Like it's just doing it for yourself, and I'm sure you feel this too. Just everything's a little bit more rewarding, and there's a direct correlation between what you do and what you get out of it. And instead of you know working 80 hours for somebody else, like you can work 80 hours for yourself, and it feels like less because you're you're doing it for yourself, and there's that reward. So it's just been a it's been an incredible. Uh, you know, going into year two, doing it, started it two weeks before a pandemic hit, which I don't know if I would have uh, planned it that way. And I was pretty scared at first, but look, those first 48 hours, um, we were going to take out like a loan, you know, Hey, we're going to live off this loan. The first 48 hours are like so good that we never had to do that. So just the the reception from these people here have been, has been, you know, just incredible. And look, their, their ratings for games are, are like their preseason ratings for games are higher than people's like regular season ratings for games. So like the appetite for football here is just different than anywhere else so you know it's just it's it's been you know lucky fortunate and you know honestly i just feel blessed that that people have embraced uh what we're doing down here that i love it i love it i I obviously couldn't agree with you more i just feel like you know if you're a fan of a team or even the league like you're gonna kind of subscribe a la carte you know i don't kind of like you do like anybody does when they're getting netflix or amazon prime or whatever um you just kind of pick and choose and God, you just nailed it. Like there is a different sense of just pride when it's your ass. Like a pride, but also I'm sure you got the question a lot, like, oh my gosh, you know, you're betting on yourself. It's such a risk. Like it doesn't feel like a risk when it you're the did. one doing it. Like you want it to be on your ass. Like I'd rather like succeed or fail completely on my own merit. Like put it out there. If people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. That's that. You know, I mean that's the American dream. I'm sure you feel the same way. You're like, I wake up in the morning excited to mm-hmm. put in X amount of hours. The craziness, the chaos, all of that, you, you kind of embrace it to the upteenth degree. Yeah, look, I mean, you said it right there. Like, it, people always say, well, you bet on yourself, you have big ball. Like, I never I never even really thought about that. It was just like, this is what we're going to do, and it's going to work. And, and you right. just kind of believe in it, and you're going to find a way. And 
it just, for me, it felt like something that I had to do. It just, it, at a certain point, this business just no longer made sense to me. And, you know, we're, we're you know, we're in the same age group. It's just kind of like, either you kind of got to figure it out or you got to bet on somebody else getting you to retirement. And I don't know if anyone's going to figure right. that out. And, and if I'm going to, if I'm not going to make it there, I'd rather not make it there because I didn't do something right. Like, it's just, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, it's just, it's just, you see everything falling apart around us and, at a certain point, like you just got to stop scurrying for that, for that lifeboat and build your own and try to find a way to get yourself to shore. And look, I'll make that bet. And if I don't get there, that's fine. But you know, I'd rather try than have this thought in my head, like, Hey, I wonder if I could have done this and then never did it. And you know, you just get to a point where, where you gotta, you gotta figure it out. And that's where we were at with it. And it's been the right bet for us for sure. I'm sure you saw things at the athletic. I mean, not to go far <laughs> too far in the weeds here, but it's like, at Bleach Report, when you start seeing the lists and the cartoons and the emphasis on things that aren't words, it's like, okay, this is where this is going. I'm over here. Yeah. You know, I'm not stupid. I like, the like right. I'm going to continue long form yeah. myself. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, it's no different anywhere. You, you start seeing those red flags and you do your own thing. And I, you're doing a phenomenal job. I encourage everybody New Orleans.football, subscribe, learn, read. Nick does such a great job. Um, God, Nick. I want to talk about the business with you forever, but we should probably talk about the same. Well, I love how Nick, you were saying, you know, from PA, now you're down in New Orleans, you know, covering the Saints. You know, I'm from PA. I was fortunate, like you said, you feel fortunate, lucky. I felt the same way to be a part of the Saints, you know, from 2005 until 13. Those years were just incredible to see Katrina hit, to see the city come yeah. back, and we were such a part of it. And when I say we, I'm, I was working for the Saints. I wasn't, but Breeze and Coach Payton and Reggie and giving that city life back in 2006 and then making that Super Bowl run and to be a part of that Super Bowl parade was just I every you know I hear you talk about New Orleans just takes me back to it's it's the most insane the fan base it's the most unique I should say maybe fan base there is going as far as where they live the dome you're walking the games everybody's outside in the city just it's it's the best it's the most unique spot. There's a lot of similarities, you know, just growing up up there and then being down here, I think between Bills fans and, and Saints fans, I oh, think yeah. Bills fans are a little bit more uh, crazy, but maybe the weather has something to do with turning that up a little bit, but just that passion and in, in just how interlaced it is within, you know, every aspect of, of life. Like there's just every single thing here is just, it, it, it's somehow right. intertwined with the Saints. There's Saints logos everywhere. And just the day to day, just mood of the whole entire city, like, literally just hinges on you know what the saints do and if they draft someone people don't like the whole city like it's just oh, yeah the way it affects everybody mm -hmm. and look i know a lot of places but it, it's just heightened here it's just it's so small and look you go out into, into the town and you just you see tron armstead you know in, in the restaurant like it's it's like family business down here and it's just a little bit different than anywhere else so true you know, the, the guys they love the city too and they love the city welcomes them but they don't necessarily treat them like they, hey, if they see them out, yeah, they might, but they don't, they, they let those guys do their thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I always respected that when you see that, but it's it's so good to hear. I love hearing that. Anything awesome. from New Orleans, I know. I tell you what, I mean, I think I've been in every stadium in the NFL by this point. The loudest, I don't even oh. think it's close, is the oh, Superdome. Yeah. I mean, when that place is rocking, it's not artificial. Like, there's some stadiums, you know, the Metrodome with the Vikings. There are times you're thinking, oh, they're, they're pumping they some pump. noise in here. <laughs> I mean, in the Superdome, <laughs> My God, you couldn't hear yourself think. I mean, regular season games. Ask, that place yeah, is fucking crazy. nuts. Ask anybody. 
that was at the NFC Championship when we beat oh. Minnesota. Never, ever have I heard anything that loud. Like, it hurt. That was the only time in my life where it hurt. Really? Yeah, it was that crazy. And the fans are, to your point, like, they're just – it is a different breed. Mm-hmm. I remember just looking around, yeah. like, it's like that that deep south Cajun voodoo kind of stuff going on. That It's, it's a, a different character of fan. But it does have to be a night game to really get the effect because oh, yeah. those 12 noon games – everybody's hung over a little right? slow a little slow getting yeah. started but. it's it's still live in there but yeah definitely the night ones are, are a little the bit different crazy, and yeah. those night games like you'll see the the water inside your water bottle just like <laughs> moving off off the sound it, it, it's it is unbelievably loud in there for sure no question about it so nick i mean this is a team they've been we, we've talked about it a yeah, lot here it. with, with your history uh, with new orleans gym but like they've been banging on the door man for a half decade now just excruciating playoff losses I mean, the last four years, you can make the case that they could have won it all. I can't imagine what the um, the mentality of the team is really like in that locker room to just come so close again and again and again and just have your hearts just crushed in new different ways. I mean, you're in there. What's what's it like, first you know, of all, I, going through those losses? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I think the resolve of the team the last four years has been one of the most impressive things to me because yeah. I think you could look after 17, the, the game against Minnesota, when Marcus Williams missed that tackle. Mm-hmm. That could have broken that team. And that was a young team kind of built on, you know, a lot of the foundational pieces were, were really young outside of Breeze. And the next year, you know, you have the the Los Angeles game and that could have broke them and they, they stayed a good team. You know, last year I thought even look, I, I think it was fairly obvious that that Breeze was done like extremely early in that season. There really wasn't any question about it. And, you know, they, they still managed to be right in there. And, you know, without that Jerry Cook fumble, yeah. they, they might have won that game. Yeah, 100% agree yeah, forgot I about mean, that play. Yes, yeah. man. But those locker rooms after some of those games, you know, it, it was, you know, th- those are hard places to be. And those losses, you know, you, you you guys have been around the sport. Like, there's losses, and then there's like different levels of, of losing. And you know, seventeen was brutal, but that game against the Rams, I, I've never been oh. in an atmosphere like that. It was just, just shattered heartbreak. And that was the one where I honestly, you know, I'm looking around at people, and you know everybody's crying, you know, and you're looking at it like, are they going to be able to come back from this? And that's like one of those stupid things. I feel like as sports writers, like maybe we, we play up a little bit, but that was like literally in the back of my mind, that whole season in the whole off season, but coming into it, they, they found a way through it. And, you know, this team is extremely mentally tough. Just this year. I think the question is, is, you know, are they going to be deep enough? Uh, quarterback's a huge issue. They got, you know, it feels like everything in the world that could have went wrong for them has gone wrong in the last, six weeks, Deontay Harris, DUI, yeah. Lattimore had the offseason arrest, probably gets suspended at some point. David Onyemata, who's, you know, probably their, arguably their best defensive lineman now, uh, out six games for uh, steroids. Um, Mike Thomas, that saga's ongoing. It's just that there's just a lot that they got to figure out how to overcome, but they do have that resolve and that belief. And maybe some of these scars are going to help them kind of keep that in perspective and not get too down about it. But you know, surviving those first six weeks of the season, I think is going to be everything for this team. Such a great point. I feel like we get so caught up into who's signing who, who's drafting who, but just that resolve has to mean so much. And just having to somehow summon the energy in April to work out for a new season after you lost that way. I mean, you've been around those kind of teams. Right? This, the, the reason I think the Saints can do what they do as far as what you were talking about, being so mentally strong and getting through things, they don't have a lot of change with Mickey Loomis is there. Mm-hmm. 
Sean Payton's still there. The same teams when I was – and Sean Payton has the same staff, basically, for the most part. The, the head – Pete Carmichael, um, all the, all Joe Lombard. Those guys are all – Dennis Allen. They're all back. Like, some of those guys left. They came – he brought them back. And they, they all – Curtis CJ, he's back. You know, he went to yep. Tulane. And did, they're all back. And they have – that's why I think their players – I think that's why they can get through stuff like that. But at this point – now you got the quarterback question, and that's the first time they've had that since 2005. Yeah, but they they clearly upgraded right from Drew Brees to go to James Winston. You know, go long. You, you say <laughs> that you say that sarcastically, but I mean, what Brees I, no, was I mean last it. year. Yeah, I mean it. Yeah, I mean, look, overall, obviously not, and I think there's things with losing Brees that they're going to find out that they've been doing for 15 years that they've taken for granted, and and I'm sure there's little things popping up all over, like. They're changing how they do their their protections and everything. Like Breeze used to handle literally everything that happened. Now that stuff that's changing. So there's these little things, and I'm I'm sure in the locker room and in just different areas of, of the building, like having Breeze in there and you pull them out, and you're like, oh wow, we got to worry about this now. And I'm sure those things come up. But look, the on field last year where Breeze was, and it feels sacrilegious to say this, but I I actually think that like both of these guys to some degree can elevate now they didn't lose games last year because of breeze because he wasn't turning the ball over and i'm sure Jameis winston or Taysom hill there's going to be times where they lose games because of their quarterback this year and that hasn't happened in 15 years but look they're going to be able to throw the ball down the field they couldn't throw the ball down the field and they haven't been able to since really so i draw out all their plays that they run in 16 they were still doing stuff down the field and you know they're attempting corner outs 15 yards and out routes 18 yards depth and in 16 like you saw breeze's numbers just fall off a cliff on all those throws by 17 these concepts that you're drawing out where there's go routes they're just deep crossing routes now and then by 18 they're coming in more by 19 they're coming in more so it was getting more and more condensed to where last year if you measure how far the safeties were playing against them the deepest safety was like 15 yards in in 16 last year it was 13.2 and that two yards is a significant difference. If difference. you're throwing a screen, your guy's starting six, right. you know, safety's got six yards or six feet up to crash or Mike Thomas is running his slant and it's a little bit more suffocated. So I think if you can spread that out and now Mike hits that slant, he's got two more, two more yards of room to run. So I think all these little things that they can do will help them open up their offense, become a little bit more explosive and just still be a little bit more room to breathe. And even their screens last year, like, they had their lowest screen yardage, and you know how good this organization is on, on screens. It's, it's been a hallmark of Peyton forever. It was the second uh, worst mark they've had since the beginning of the Peyton era yards per attempt on those screens. So just opening everything up a little bit, I think, is going to make it easier. But, you know, I'm sure there's going to be more mistakes, and you'll get some interceptions. And, you know, I, I think both of them will be – whoever they pick, I think will be fine. I think Jameis looks like he's rewired the way he's, he thinks about football. Taysom, I think – has gotten better, but you know, he's got to get quicker with his decisions, be more decisive about when to tuck it and run and all this stuff, but it's going to be significantly different. But yeah, I mean, I think the quarterback play overall can be a little bit better. Nick, do you think this is a question I've been wondering about? Will will coach Peyton do it game by game who starts possibly, or do you think he wants, he wants a, a starter and then who like, and then do you think ideally he wants Winston to be the guy and then Taysom to do his little packages? Cause Taysom Hill, He's not going to beat anybody throwing the football. Let's just face it. I mean, it's limited as can be. He's really not natural throwing the ball. And what you even said scares me more that his decision making needs to get better. So now he has to be a better decision maker and improve his throwing. 
I mean, I don't even know what that's a gimmick guy to me. Jameis, hear me out on that. As far I got as, you. I got you. He seems more like a package guy to me, not a, yep. a full time guy. Where Jameis, you'd want him to be the full time guy, but he's just never proven to, to be able to control his emotions and his throwing, his accuracy and throwing to the other team. So I guess what I'm saying, do you think Coach Payton wants one or you think he's cool with throwing both? I think he wants one. And, yeah. you know, I think you got to pick one so that they aren't out there playing tight. And, you yeah. know, Jameis can't be worried. Uh, you know, if I, if I try to fit this ball in there and I throw an interception, is that it? You, I, you know, I don't think you can take that away from him. And, and you want him to be Jameis, just a more dialed back conservative version of Jameis. But if you put that pressure on him and, it, and he becomes too much, you know, like in the last preseason game, he, he, you know, he tries to throw the ball downfield and I thought it was a good throw. It, it ended up being intercepted, maybe a tad underthrown, but little Jordan Humphrey ball hits him in the hands. He flips it up. It gets picked. You don't want Jameis worried that like, if he does that and that play happens in the season, here comes Taysom off the sideline. Um, you know, to the point about Taysom being like a, a gimmick player, I, I think I actually disagree with that. I think yeah. he's gotten better as a, as a passer every year he's been here and, the thing that I think people misconstrue about him is that he's not a running quarterback. He's really no. actually a pocket passer. And I think the running needs to be better. Like last year they, they was designed runs and he, he averaged, he's, I don't know, eight or 10 a game, but he's, he's got to learn how to Josh Allen it, you know, at times and one read, two read, oops, nothing there. I'm, I'm going to go. Like, I think he needs to figure out how to do that. And if he did that, I think it would make him a more effective player. If he, if he stopped trying to be, you know, Drew Brees. And I think that's the issue for him, but you know, his reads are slow and he gets through his progression slower and he's, it's gotten better this year, but it's, I don't know if it's quite there yet. And look, if you're looking at everything and you take every practice and lay it out, I think that you can very easily say that Jameis has easily had the best five practices. The problem is, is that he has this exceptional practice and then it's okay. And then the next one's eh, and then it's back up here. And every time that he's had a chance to put his, his foot on Taysom's neck, it just hasn't quite happened yet. So I think that door is still a little bit open. I, I would pick Jameis at this point if I had to make a decision before this Jacksonville game. And, you know, I thought he played better in, in the last game too. His, his two-minute drill was it was exceptional. And he operated it, you know, again, sacrilegious to say, but I thought it, I thought it was breeze-like and just the efficiency. And he was going down the field and, and doing everything in rhythm. It, it looked outstanding. And if little Jordan Humphrey, 6'4", 225 pounds, can catch a back shoulder throw – that's just a touch underthrown. I mean, the hype for Jameis right now would be out of this world, but <laughs> yeah, you know, the, he throws 12 passes. It's, it's 8.3% of the, the game. So you have that one, a, a throw behind Nick Vanette and a sack. Well, he got the ball up before the sack. So it's like, there's three plays out of 12 where you're kind of like, uh, so it's 25% of the performance. And, and you know, that's a bad way to evaluate it, but you're in this QB battle. Everything takes on way too much weight, but I think overall Jameis has been better at this point. If he goes out, he'll be with the starters this week against Jacksonville. He has a good game. I, I think I think that he probably should take it. But look, Breeze got hurt last year, and the whole world thought, there's no way they're going to play Taysom. It, it's going to be Jameis Winston. He came in first. He's more of a real quarterback. Jameis is a gimmick. Sean Payton picked Taysom. So Sean's feelings towards Taysom as a player is the one thing that that's the wild card here. Like Everybody else looks at it one way, but if Sean sees something, then Sean has that belief. That he'll roll with it and and he's not afraid to to do something that people don't see coming. Taysom's contract is a, a thing that they know that tells you that they believe in him too. I mean, yeah. for them and I give uh, coach Payton to me is just incredible what he does. I never thought he would want a guy like Jameis Winston. That is against everything he believes in because his biggest thing is 
no turnovers. But every coach, really. And to, and they played against Jameis. It's not like they were. I right. mean, it's not yeah. like they were unfamiliar to how he just can. Yeah, he can light you up, and yeah, he can lose you the game at the same time. Where that's that's going to be the biggest thing. If Jason can gain, Jameis can gain the trust of Coach Payton to be open that playbook and trust you in the red zone, especially. Boom! I think Winston carries the team this year. As far as I, I, that's how I see it. But where's he, that relationship he, really at then? Like, I mean, like from the first time you saw Jameis in practice post 33-30 working with Sean to this training camp and they've had all off season all season another off season this training camp like do you think he has really rewired kind of his brain to avoid some of those dumb mistakes that he made in Tampa Bay I mean he he thinks he's that he has you know his trainer thinks he has but you're seeing him out there working with Peyton day in and day out yeah, so I, I would say there's maybe been two bad decisions the whole camp. And, wow. yeah, and, look, there was one moment where I was like, all right, this, like, just truly illustrative, I, I thought, of where he was at and, and what he was thinking. They were going through a red zone period, and, and it was one of those days he had a great practice the day before, and it was one of those days where, where he could have he could have buried Taysom, and he gets down to the five-yard line. It's right after he hits his throw on the move. It was like a Mahomes-esque throw. Like, he's rolling to the other side of the field, hits a pass on the sideline, Next play, he scrambles down to the five. It's two-minute drill, and there's eight seconds on the clock, and he gets the ball. And it's a little congested in, in the in the end zone, but you see, like, a couple spots where he can go with the ball, and it's ticking, it's ticking, he's waiting. Three seconds, just he just throws the ball through the uprights. And I think the other version of Jameis would have tried to squeeze a pass in there, did a little hero ball, but he said, you know what? Like, I'm, I'm going to eat it. We'll get the field goal. And, you know, he talks about trying to, to be more – decision-based and then results oriented. And I think that was a good example of it. And then, you know, this last game too, he, you know, he took a sack in a, in a situation where there was maybe a tight window to get the ball out, but he, he just said, you know what, defense is playing good, going to take the sack. So I think the early signs are, are generally good. And, you know, I don't know, we'll, we'll see it when, when it's, when it's real live action, but look in this, this last game, it was the first real game action. Didn't see anything crazy. So, you know, I, I want to believe him everything he says makes me believe what, what he's saying, like his words in his message about everything, how he's looking at the game, what he's learned in his approach. I mean, it's, it's perfect. And we'll see though, with, with, with those decisions, but look, I think it's a little unfair to even judge him as like a 30 interception guy, because that's yeah. kind of an outlier season, maybe, you know, 2017, 20 interception, 17. That's kind of who he was through his whole career. But I, I don't, I don't think it's this thing where it's like, this guy's capable of throwing inter. 30 interceptions every single season. Peyton won't put them in those situations anyhow. I mean, they'll protect the ball and be smart about where they take their shots. And if it started getting crazy, like, he, he just wouldn't be on the field. But I, I don't think that's going to yeah. be a thing. I mean, I, I think 17, 18 interceptions is probably what feels about right for him. You need if, to pay attention. Not better. To, yeah, I agree. At 30, he's like, you almost have to. I mean, that's hard to do. Yeah, you got to throw that out. I mean, yeah, I agree. You always throw the, throw the worst thing out, throw the best thing out maybe. But it's when the interceptions occur. It's when is he making yep. the right decision? Who's he, is he going to the right guys on third down? Is he not throwing interceptions in the red zone? That's what you really have to pay attention to with Winston. I love that point that um that Otis Leverett made that uh like Bruce Arians' offense doesn't have many outs. Like it yep. is, you're going for the home run, you're throwing it down the field. And, and Carson Palmer's been pretty honest about that too. In Arizona, Carson Palmer's first year was pretty ugly. He threw a lot of picks, made a lot of mistakes because 
it's almost like an all or nothing type of deal. And, you know, granted they was able, they were able to find a mix with Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady probably had a lot of say in kind of tweaking the scheme, tweaking the offense. But with, with Jameis Winston, it was just, he didn't have many outs. He didn't have many checkdowns. And Sean Payton, as he said, Oda said, there's tons of checkdowns. Like yeah. you, you always have ways out of situations. And Alvin Kamara is maybe the best, if not as one of the best playmakers in the league. So, um, yeah. Peyton Manning struggled in that offense his, his yeah. first year. Ben Roth, like everybody, like there's legends that, that have struggled in that offense their first year. And look, for a guy that's overly aggressive and, and, I remember watching Hard Knocks. Like the the whole theme of that season, when, when Cutter was the coach, was that like he was trying to dial Jameis back and, and kind of get him to make different decisions and that. And now you put him with the guy that that's telling him to to do more of these things that that were to his own peril. I just think it was probably the worst marriage of, of coach and player that that you right. can imagine. And then, is this a good just, marriage then? What do you think about this marriage? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's the right spot for him. It's all the reasons you just said. I think that there's always a safe throw. Um, you know, the, the reads, the way they set them up, that there's just a lot of three-level stuff. So if Jameis wants to look at that deep ball and it's not there, that there's an easy check down every single time. And, you know, he's he's been checking down, like, to the point where Peyton makes jokes about, you know, oh, Jameis checked down, so you guys are going to write a story about it today. And <laughs> it, it's it's just, you know, I, I feel like he, he's playing really smart. And, look, some of that, the, the, the conservative nature of his approach in practice, I believe, is because, you know, the wide receivers here – they're, you know, the two best ones are, are hurt and the other guys aren't, you know, separation monsters. And I think that that sometimes you, you do have to take that safe throw. But, um, you know, he, he's he is getting down the field and when he's doing it, it's smart. And like I said, I, I saw maybe two or three decisions in, in a training camp. You know, two or three decisions is bad decisions. That That's extremely like Patrick Mahomes can throw three picks tomorrow. And nobody's going to react to it. Right. There were days breeze through three or four in one practice and. It's just like, that's, that's fine. When you're in this situation with these two players, you know, and the one guy has this stupid dirty interception thing hanging over his head and the decisions, you're going to look at everything and micro analyze it to, to a point where it's probably stupid to do, but that's kind of, you know, how these things get covered. But it's I think practice, he's passing right? the test. You should be trying yeah. different throws and getting interceptions. <laughs> that's the thing. Yeah. But if you're Jameis Winston, you can't. And if you throw an interception in practice, it's crazy. Like, I think he's thrown two in camp. You tweet, oh, Jameis. Jameis threw a pick and like the reaction to it is just outrageous. And it's just like, yo, chill out. Like this guy doesn't need to be two times better than everybody else. Like he just needs to be good enough for, for them not to lose games. And, you know, if they get healthy, they get everyone back. I think they can win nine, 10 games. That, that might be insane to say. I mean, they got to get through those first six. If you get three, if you're at three and three, I think they got a chance to do that, but it's just hanging in there until Deontay Harris is back. Mike Thomas, uh, David Onyemata and, and everybody else. I would love to see the Saints hit that 10 win, 11 win, make the playoffs. And Coach Payton, it would just hands down solidify what he is. Like, as far as you get to the playoffs with these, I'm not saying that they're bad quarterbacks, but you, you, you know, you're not counting on them. They, they don't have a track record of saying if he gonna, fixes Jameis Winston, I mean, just he's gone. He's, he's going to Canton, right? Like, oh, Jameis Winston is a Pro Bowl quarterback. Yeah, no, he's, yeah. he's coach of the year for sure. Yeah, for sure. And that Bruce Arian stuff is funny because there is a point to that because we we talk about on this podcast all the time, Nick, Tom Brady threw three picks in the second half. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers Green got a Bay, goal off of those three and picks. And Aaron Rodgers does nothing yeah. with it. How does – you can't win games throwing three picks in a half. It doesn't happen. 
like how do they even win that game playing with Brady playing like that? And we sit there and just we still forget that Tampa struggled early in that season last year. Then the Saints just destroy them one game. Yeah, I think they beat them thirty-four to three in one game. The first game was ridiculous. twenty-four or thirty-four twenty-three, and then it was like thirty-four to three. So yeah, it was insane. Like insane. Yeah, that, so I'm with you on that. There they they shouldn't have, they shouldn't have won that third game. I mean, Deontay Harris had him in the red zone twice. Breeze couldn't do anything. I mean, it was just Amazing. you know, it just just all their limitations met up to, and, and still Tampa didn't. You know, it the game was closer than than I think yeah. people think it was. I mean, it was it was you know that fumble really changed that whole game. No but doubt. And he's not Tampa won all those playoff games by so, by narrow margins. Yeah, I know, I know. Michael Thomas. I mean, what the hell is going on there? <laughs> uh, it seems like they're going to sing Kumbaya, right? I mean, he's not going to play for a while because of the surgery. Um, he's on the pup list, all of that. But I don't know. I mean, Charles Robinson, maybe you've even had reports yourself. It seems like Sean Payton and Michael Thomas are kind of talking this through a little bit. Yeah, he was at the game this week. He was on the sidelines. He, he's doing his rehab in Philadelphia. So he, he came down to Baltimore, watched the game, was on the sidelines. I, I think that was really important just – Look, a lot happened there. I mean, season ends and Mike goes and sees a the doctor. They tell him, you know, okay, you can try to do rehab. He tries to do rehab. He's supposed to go back and see the surgeon again to get a checkup. You know, hey, how's it going? Six weeks out. Let's look at the ankle, take some scans, see where it's at, get surgery. Mike never goes back to that appointment. They're trying to call Jeff Duncan reported that they tried to call him like three times. They couldn't get through to him. Um, and then the way I heard it is nobody knows what's going on. Mini camp comes. It's the first time they can mandate him to come back. He comes in. Team doctors get a look at it and say, "Yo, what the hell? Like, you got to go get this fixed." He goes and gets it fixed. But I mean, you know, by then you've missed that point where it's like if you get it operated on, you're ready by the start of the season. So obviously everybody's frustrated with him. Um, and then last year too, there there was a situation, the fight with Chauncey Gardner Johnson that that led to him get suspended. I mean, that wasn't even a fight. Like there are practice situations boiling over there john back and forth mike's getting angrier and angrier and then after a play he walks across the field and sucker punches him and you know he gets suspended and he's cussing at the coaching staff so i think it was just you know a lot of things kind of boiled up in the in the one one thing and you know the the common denominator here is mike isn't healthy through any of it so he's probably frustrated because he isn't playing well and Look, this is a guy that that'll start fights because Devontae Parker says, you know, someone says Devontae Parker's a, a better wide receiver than him on Instagram. And, you know, I think his his identity is really tied up in the in the being, you know, the best. And I don't think this is a situation where it was Scotty Pippen-esque and you're you're, oh, I'm gonna rehab on their time. I just think that he probably believed his ankle was getting better. It wasn't. And then by the time he found out, well, it's too late. And you know, I think he's someone that, that probably has, you know, trust issues and, and is a little bit skeptical and he interacts with people kind of on that level. And maybe he just didn't trust the doctor's advice. You know, I don't know. I, I'd love to talk to Mike about it. He's extremely hard to reach. He doesn't, I don't think he, he's someone that enjoys doing media, not in a malicious way. I just think that it's just, it's just not something that feels good to him. So he, he's not the most talkative person. Um, but you know, I don't know if that kumbaya moment's going to come, but they just got to coexist. And I think you get Mike on the field, they're winning games. Mike's getting his yards. Everything's rolling. I think a lot of this stuff melts away and it becomes a manageable situation. You know, healing it at this point, getting Mike on those sidelines, like I said, I think is huge because you just got to talk. And Mike's got to, you know, just explain to his teammates maybe what happened. Because, you know, Jameis, again, going back to his, to his credit, 
he's he's got Mike's back. I believe he's got Mike's back. He says he talks to him frequently. But if you're Jameis Winston and you come to the Saints and this is your last chance maybe to, to change the narrative, Mike Thomas is a big part of that. So, I mean, I just think, you know, people seeing Mike's perspective on this thing is important. So having him around the team, I think, starts with that healing. Peyton, someone that that can – and look, you know this. He, You cross him, there there can be – you know, a lot of people don't come back from that. Mike, Mike seems to be coming back from that. So just those two talking and having those two strong personalities kind of melting some of that ice is important. So I think they'll get through this season. If it's a good season, Mike gets his yards. I think you're okay for next season. But if it's it's rocky, you never know how that's going to go. So well said. I mean, he – gosh, I'd love to talk to him again. I'm, I just pulled it up. We sat down. It was 2018. It feels like light years ago. But he was just on the come up. Like, you could tell, but Michael Thomas, he – I don't think he wanted to be famous. You know, he wanted the yeah. notoriety, but he's looking at his numbers. The fact that he almost catches everything, I guess his target rate is, it's, it's catch rate. It's unbelievable. And he just felt like he wasn't getting that, that just do, whether it's contract, whether it's national spotlight. And then he had an amazing season. He got the contract. He got the spotlight. And I, meanwhile, his quarterback is kind of declining too. There's, and all the injuries on top of that. So you're right. I think you put it so well. It's not like one, like we want to make it about one thing, don't we? Like this is the reason for this problem. And it's probably this combination of factors like kind of build up. And what are the other options for him, for him or this? The Saints obviously want him to play. They need him and he's not going anywhere. So they're, they're kind of best together here, whenever he's healthy. Yeah, absolutely. They're definitely, look, this is a team that, that wants to still win. They operated all off season. You know, they could have started selling off parts to get to trim down that hundred million. They did everything they could to keep the core together. And if you go to their over the cap page and look at it, I mean, there's literally not a single contract left that they can restructure because they, they did everything because they believe they can still be a good team this season. Mike's obviously a massive part of that. He's one of the best, I, I don't know, five receivers in the NFL. And, you know, they gave him all that money to help with that. Well, a, to help with the breeze aging process and, and make it graceful and, you know, be the guy that can be open seven yards away and catch every single ball and let this quarterback be, you know, a classy game manager. If we're going to be real about it the last four years, very high level, but um, you know, post that it was, it was to help whoever was the next quarterback, Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston, whoever Mike Thomas is, is a huge, you know, pressure valve and you got him out there. You know, that's someone you can just, everything goes wrong. He's still going to get open. They don't, they don't have, they don't really have that player right now. And you know, I think that that is a little bit problematic. So yeah, they want they want Mike on the field that they paid him to be here. You know, I I think up until this this thing last year, I think everybody on that team would agree that that he was a really good teammate. And look, that's that's just a probably an outlier situation. I'm sure those feelings still existed. This this offseason thing, you know, kind of makes it a little rocky. You got to mend those fences. But Mike gets out there and he produces the way he does. I'm sure. Everybody forgives them and, and it's all good. But yeah, I mean, you know, if Alvin is piece one, Mike's piece two of this offense and you got both those guys, you know, that's, that makes life a lot easier for, for your quarterback. So, you know, they got, they got to get them back out there. They got to get them playing. And there's just really no way to, you, you trade them as $32 million in dead money. And the saints have ate those costs before Jimmy Graham, junior Gallette, but that's not something you want to do lightly. If you can have a conversation and fix it, Save that $32 million to have one of the five best receivers in the league on your team. you got to find a way to figure that out. Their, their defense has to give them belief 
that we're going to be in every game, right? Their defense is just, they, they, they're together. They, they know how to, you know, just to keep them in every game. They get turnovers. They're just tough. So if you have a great running back, and I don't use that word all the time, but he is a great running back that can do everything. Like you said, he is by far number one. So now it's Coach Payton's looking at this as, oh, we have a hell of an offensive line. We can protect these quarterbacks. So I can I can get these guys right, Hill and Winston. I just need I just need to make sure we have our full, you know, we gotta have Michael Thomas to give these guys a chance. I would think that's the thinking, of course. And I yeah. guarantee you, Coach Payton probably has a lot of things. He's probably biting <laughs> his lip a little bit on Michael Thomas as far as whatever happened. And you seem to, I mean, you know all more than we know, but I, you're right. Coach Payton does, I mean, you cross him a little bit. It's, I saw it right when he took the job that first year. And we, we're looking around. He's getting rid of Joe Horn and Dante Stallworth and Aaron Brooks, which whatever you want to say about them, I mean, at the time, it's – Yeah. We're like, yeah. we like this. Okay. I mean, he wasn't messing around. We didn't skip a beat. And that gave everybody right away. He just earned his credit. So, Coach Payton, new head coach, does that. Yeah. Here he is however many years later, and he's – He's going to not give in to Michael Thomas. It just tells you, like, hey, we do need like, Exactly. Is that good? He spoke out a little bit on him, too. I mean, right after he said, hey, this shouldn't happen, and, you know, someone followed up, and he's like, I'm just going to leave it there. Like, it was it was very, very clear that he was not happy about anything that went on. And, look, I mean, then the story started coming out. Like, it, it was just something where they had to talk, and, and yeah. they talked. And, you know, he, he said it wasn't a big kumbaya moment, maybe the big kumbaya moment comes at some point but you don't need the big kumbaya moment and i think that's one of the misperceptions uh, about people about the, these teams like it's like any workplace like there's people that like each other people that don't people that like the boss people that don't like the boss people the boss doesn't like just as long as none of that is cancerous or malicious and, and everybody can still operate within the same rooms and, and you know you don't need to be singing kumbaya you just gotta not be mf in each other and, and all this stuff and, and then you're you're good to go I mean, we, we, we talk about Green Bay all the time on this podcast. They're trying to do the same thing right now yeah. with Brian Gutekunst and, and Aaron Rodgers, but it's a job. That's it, who they play week it, one, it's too. A profession, it's a job. And yeah. at the end of the day, Nick made a great point. You, everybody work, you don't like everybody you work with all the time, but it's a job. So you be, and right. it's professional is the word, too, right? Right. And right. very professional. Like, let's, hey, let's get on the field. Let's win. Let's, we got to whip around the division real quick. I mean, you know this – division better than better than anyone i mean anything stand out to you? i mean i guess tampa bay is obviously the the defending champions they'll be the favorites in the division are they the favorites to you atlanta yeah, carolina so. anything there that you think might um surprise i think it's still tampa's and, and like you guys said like they, they got better as the season went on I, I thought the playoffs were a little bit unimpressive but look you, you find ways to win those games are tough and, and they got it done so yeah. i i think they're still the team to beat you know the, the other two it's going to be interesting. I mean, Atlanta post Julio, they got Kyle Pitts. You know, they're, they're probably still going to be explosive in their own right. Their defense, I think, still needs some work. And I don't know if Carolina is going to be better or worse with, with Bradford. You know, I, I think that's still very much up in the air. Um, I got questions about, you know, I think Joe Brady did an okay job. I mean, I thought there were, you know, instances last year when you watch Carolina games where, it kind of looked like a young staff trying to figure out how to survive in the NFL. And I think if they figure out some of that stuff, they could be a little bit better, but you know, I think, I think it's Tampa. And then, you know, behind that, I believe it's like wide open, honestly. I mean, if the saints figure out the quarterback and how to survive those games, I'd probably put them 
at two. But if anything goes wrong for this team, I, you know, the, the depth is gone the last few years, you know, the hallmark of this team was anybody could go out and they, they had a capable player right behind them. That's, that's not the case anymore. So everything has to go right for the saints, I think, to be in that mix at, at number two. And then if not one of these other teams, I think could catch them. I like Carolina, I like right? Carolina a little bit this year. And I agree, Nick, it'll be interesting to see if the coach, I mean, that is, that's her first year. A lot of those guys, you know, in the NFL like that, to have those yeah. types of roles. Darnold is intriguing to me. He's very, he has some Jameis Winston like similarities as far as the guy has talent. He, it, it, you don't, everybody can see it. It's just, how do you, how do you stop the crazy decision-making or the crazy turnovers and crazy weird spots for Darnold? But Christian McCaffrey, yeah. that receiving core, that defense is pretty good. There's some, they, they have, they have a front, they have a, their front seven is pretty solid. And I just feel like, that's a team nobody really talks about. And I know how coaches are. They love when nobody's talking about you. That means you're just showing up, you're working, you're trying to earn. But Darnold's obviously the key. And But I do think if they get the good Darnold, which it's it's been hard to find the good Darnold. It was a mess. And what, what, what the Jets did with him was just embarrassing. Was, you couldn't handle a rookie quarterback worse than what they did. The Bills couldn't have handled Josh Allen better. The Jets were so pathetic with Darnold. I'm hoping that I'm hoping that Rule and those guys and Brady have a have a way to get Darnold on track. And if he is, I think that Carolina team is going to sneak up on some people. You probably have some flashbacks too. I mean, that final year with the Bills. I mean, you guys were sitting there at a, a Tempo with the Pagulas, yep. right? Yep. Talking about not the draft class coming up with yep. Patrick Darn, Mahomes Darnold and Trubisky up. and yep. Watson, but the one after that. Yeah, with Darnold. Yeah, but we're not gonna, we're not going to draft yeah. Trubisky or or Mahomes or Deshaun. Are we prepared next year to take any of those guys? And we we had we had started studying those guys, and Darnold was kind of at the time like it looked like the head of that you know that yeah. class um, back then. But yes, we Darnold always showed, but he did this at, at USC as well. I mean, he did the fumbles, he did the crazy interceptions. So. And, and to be honest, Jameis did a lot. All the stuff he did at Florida State, yeah. he did at Tampa. Yeah. We'll see if he – but a lot of these guys don't change too drastically. But I do think you can change guys' decision-making a little yeah. bit. You hope so. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson. Oh. And, and they they have have I mean, there's a lot around them there. Better play calling. It's, so. They have something. They have some, they're close. They're getting yeah. close. Let's be real, too. Getting away from Adam Gase has been really good for a lot of players. So. <laughs> Man, don't get started. I, I got to know Adam pretty well over the years because he, he Joe Vitz, uh, his father-in-law, who used yeah. to be our, you know, assistant head coach in the world. He used to sit with us at the Senior Bowl. You know, we all sit around. Yeah. And Gase would come over and tell us Tebow stories. And, Is that right? Oh yeah, just yeah. what a what a disaster Tebow was. Like decision making, and it had nothing to do with Tebow throwing the football. Gase was like, guys, he doesn't even sometimes know the offense. Like. You know, he would tell us stuff like that. And we were just like, yeah, I scouted Tebow and I knew all that. They told me, they told you that as a scout at Florida. Like, uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's good with our system, but. But isn't that kind of weird? Like, I get it. Even if he's 100% correct in everything he's saying in that setting to just go to other people and just bitch about one of your quarterbacks. Well, it's kind of like a little blame game. We may have egged him. We may have egged him on and he was in a small circle. Of people, okay. So we may have egged him on over that. How are you? How did you guys play with Tebow quarterback? But he he was he was complimentary to Tebow as well. But he also was like, yeah, guys, it was not easy. Like, I really hope Tebow makes the team in Jacksonville just so Twitter ceases to exist. 
Oh yeah. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd I'm, love I'm it. cheering for the same outcome. I just want to see people pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Afghanistan is just burning to the ground oh. and more people are talking about Tim Tebow than like Jeez. a terrorist organization. He missed a block, man. He missed a block. He did he miss a block. Yes. <laughs> so true. Much more important, much more of a national security concern than oh, uh, what's happening overseas there. But uh, I just can't. I, this is the preseason. This is what happened. Yeah. If you would have told yeah. me five years ago that we would be on a podcast, which I don't even know if they existed five years ago, but yeah. they may have. But And we're going to talk about Tebow at tight end with Urban Meyer <laughs> Jacksonville. I don't know what planet, what happened to the world, that what happened. Like, I just need answers. This is incredible that this is even a you – know, you know he's not fast. He's not very athletic. He's never played tight end. The blocking will never happen. Cause that is one of the hardest things blocking tight end. If you haven't done it, that is, yeah. it takes years and you have to have length. Tebow doesn't have length, like tight ends. You have to have length to block guys and get, you know, get your hands on. Tebow doesn't have length. He's a stocky bodybuilder. Like, so I'm just saying he and urban has something work out. He makes a team. It's not going to be based on. God, I hope he does. I, I just, hope he does. I just cause I do. I mean, you gotta, you the reaction. Yeah. So I got, I got to ask Pierre Thomas, he's in camp. Sean Payton cuts him or cuts Antonio uh, Pittman, right? Oh, what, yeah. what was the reaction? To, did you guys? No, it was no, it was fine because Pierre was a guy that um, Dewan Jones was our Midwest scout. Who Terry Fontenot, who took over Atlanta um, as GM, uh, brought Dewan in, who was with Baltimore as a scout, and brought Dewan to Atlanta with him. But they go, we all go way back. Dewan did a great job of going after Pierre Thomas get him after the draft and we were like really like you couldn't it was one of those guys that pierre thomas small slow blah 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 no what you can stop knew the offense did everything better than reggie was doing as far as for the offensive lineman loved pierre because he would hit the hole he would go where the play was supposed to go where reggie was always dancing Pittman was kind of really never it was just a little miss on our part i think you know he never really jumped out there that we thought he was going to be, but yes, that's but that's why you got to respect Coach Payton for making tough decisions like that. Mm. Not and Coach Payton, you know, I scouted Jimmy Graham. I was the area scout for that. Sean mm. Payton's the reason we had Jimmy Graham. Trust me. I mean, I liked him. We all liked his. You know, hey, it's we see all the talent. Coach Payton had a clear vision for him, and that's you know stuff like that is why I always respect Coach Payton. He doesn't mess around. He makes the hard decisions and does it. See that. That's interesting to me, though, because he talks about that decision. And, hey, if I would have went another direction, I would have lost the locker room. Last year, the decision to start Taysom over Jameis, like if it was a crazy decision and all the players thought it was insane then, like I feel like that that same thought process would have came in. And, and, you know, I know Sean made the promise to Taysom, hey, if something happens, you'll get the first shot. But if it was obvious he didn't deserve it, I don't think it had to be close then, and it's still close now. And, you know, I, I just – find that thought process and you know i think it dates back to that like it's just he always makes a hard decision regardless of it, if it's popular or not and i don't know i mean just hey, last year to go that way have. was interesting we don't get them all right i mean we also drafted rob ninkovich in that we had one yeah. we had a famous draft it was the reggie and jiry evans and roman harper draft ninkovich was in the end colston zach street yep and ninkovich who we gave up on a little early you know but he was that was a hell of a pick too. That we don't. You guys shot him a long snapper, right? Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's good. You remember that? Yeah. 
like something it just didn't it just never synced up like there yeah. was a head button going on and you know i wasn't i was an area scout so i wasn't around the team all the time i just remember like man what thought we really like this guy i'm surprised you know but it, it, it wasn't it wasn't syncing up but that's what he does moves on he almost yeah. cut marcus colson in training camp oh really oh yeah bad back he's dropping balls you know colson was never a speed guy right and all of a sudden you're seeing that they were almost getting but they held on to him to training camp just because hey let's get him healthy let's see and training camp he started right away he could look better and obviously the rest of history but coach Payton doesn't mess around but that was close like coach Payton tells us hey we could take a guy in the third round if he doesn't look good in training camp we'll cut him and that that is a golden rule if you're a gm or a head coach is to do it don't. As a scout, though, it, no, there's got to be a little part of you like, man. I just, oh, no, it's a gut punch. He'll come around. It's a gut he'll punch. Come around. Yeah. It's a gut punch. It is. But, hey, as a scout, you don't get you don't get bonuses for guys getting drafted from the area. Yeah. And you shouldn't get fired for guys getting cut. I mean, it is – obviously, we know it's not an exact science. But you just got to be right more than you are. But everybody's always on the same page when a guy's drafted, right? Every, couldn't believe like, he was there. Couldn't believe he was there. And best available <laughs> yeah. player. Yeah. Um, yeah. They they, they they were trying to get Mahomes one year, and then Lattimore felt, well, we don't know what we would have done if they both would have been there. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. I, I would love to just be a fly on the wall in those rooms. I mean, it's. I do think, I do think Coach Payton was going to take Mahomes. Oh, yeah. No, they were. But I know. Breeze was, at, Breeze was in the draft room, and they told Breeze they were getting ready to take him. Yeah. Them. Okay. So that's good. Yeah. So you can confirm it. Yeah, no. I'll go a step further then. Terry Fontenot, no. hey, you know, we, we're pretty tight. He was calling me after he – it kind of got out that we went and worked everybody out. And Terry's like, you know, we're just, hey, you know, every team calls whoever you know on the other team about a week before the draft. And you guys looking to trade, blah, blah, blah. And obviously everybody knew we may trade back or we were taking a QB. And the teams that wanted a QB were definitely trying to see what we were doing. Terry's like, you know, we started the conversation tonight, and Terry's like, Wait, man, how were those workouts? Anybody, how were those QBs? Like, anybody <laughs> jump out? I was like, yeah, you know, they were all, they were all look good. I mean, they're all good players. You know, just give them the standard answer. And Terry's like, oh, man, I know it's going to be cool to see where they go. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm like, all right, Saints want some one of these quarterbacks. I didn't know who, but. So he's trying to keep it vague, yet trying to get some but information he was out to of see, you. And then it yeah. came out, like, next day, I think it came out. I think Coach Payton talked about it. Oh, yeah, he's, he's so, talked yeah, about it, yeah. Yeah, and I believe. I'm sure they want it. There's got to be a lot of that, though, up to a draft with you scouts. Like, just oh. you guys all know each other, and you're oh. all trying to get information from each other. Oh, and, like, are you – did you put out, like, misinformation to, like, your friends, like some of your best friends, like Terry Fontenot, like that? You know, it's when you're a scout, you're not the decision maker. So, yeah. you know, when I was with the Bills talking to Terry, I was a decision maker. So I was, I was kind of guarded. Yeah. As a scout, you're talking to other friends or scouts, and you would be like, you won't believe this. Our head coach drafted one of this guy. I told him he stinks. You know all that. Or because scouts are, we're never wrong, and uh, <laughs> we never miss. But uh, I just love. I do love that part of it, the whole scouting game, the draft part of it. Everybody's everybody's trying to fool everybody. Yeah, because you can't believe he's there. Oh Still couldn't God. believe he couldn't believe he made it to us. I can't believe we kept you this long. Yeah, man. Nick. Man, thanks thanks so much. Fun, Jeez. You got me juiced hey, up tonight talking about awesome. New Orleans. I, I got a little excited. <laughs> No, nah, I enjoyed it. Bourbon Street. Bourbon Street. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You, you magazine, man. You, you're, too old, you're too old to be on bourbon, man. You got a magazine. Right. Yeah. You bourbon's got a one time, do it once and never go back. Yeah, bourbon. yeah you got to you gotta come uptown. You got to, you got to, yeah. yeah. You're right. Nick's right. Keep it safe, man. That's what we're going to do. And well, we had like one final farewell, like bachelor party, like 
five, six years ago at this point. Like everybody was either about to get married or about to have kids. And it was just, you're um, right. We did it. And it's like, we're, we're never doing that again. It's, it's over. <laughs> never again. It we, smells like piss and regret. And our ring booze. ceremony, when we had our Super Bowl ring ceremony um, in New Orleans, it was, I believe it was in like June of that summer. I still don't know how I made it home back to South Carolina after that trip, how I had any money, how I had keys to a car. I, New Orleans does, things happen. Things just happen. Oh yeah, they do. But man, it's good. It's good when you can survive a three-day weekend in New Orleans, you've done something. Awesome. Well, Nick, hey, thanks so much, thanks, man. Nick. New Orleans.football. What's your Twitter handle? At Nick underscore Underhill. Perfect. All right, everybody follow Nick there. Oh, yeah. Th- thanks so much for just hanging out with us on a, on a Monday night. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks, Nick. Stay in touch. Let's do it again. Yes, sir.